Good morning. I am Celeste Thomas, and I serve as the Director of Multicultural Student Services here at EMU. I use she, her, hers pronouns. Welcome to our annual Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. celebration of legacy, education, and service. It is good to see everyone gathered for such a time as this. As our last three years have looked like this, COVID, COVID, snowstorm. Let's go from in person to on Zoom. So welcome to this space in person. We have finally come back to in person. We kicked our celebration off yesterday with a blessed worship service, followed by a viewing of the documentary on these grounds. It was a wonderful way to kick off the day and to spend time and to be in worship as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would have been as he was an ordained minister. This year's theme is beloved community. As I pondered what is a beloved community, I started wondering if we will ever get there. And if so, what does that journey, not destination, look like? It is hard to imagine what a beloved community can look like when we have a war on the truth. In the song, Wake Up, that you heard and saw the video, there is a directive for teachers to teach a new way. When you teach the children, teach them the very best you can. If you are only teaching about people who look like you, is that the very best you can? The world won't get no better if we just let it be. We have to change the world, just you and me. The Black Eyed Peas ask, where is the love? And Tina Turner asks, what's love got to do with it? These are wonderings for me too, when our BIPOC students share traumas that they experience inside and outside of the classroom, on the courts and fields where they practice and play. Are they not dearly loved? If the answer is yes, then I challenge EMU to heed the words of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is the type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. The type of love that I stress here is not eros, a sort of aesthetic or romantic love, not philia, a sort of reciprocal love between personal friends, but it is agape, which is understanding goodwill for all men and I will add women and non-binary persons as well. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. It is the love of God working in the lives of men, women, and non-binary persons. This is the love that may well be the salvation of our civilization. And this is from the role of the church in facing the nation's chief moral dilemma from 1957. To quote Common, only love, love, love can reboot us. I need a little help, can't do it alone. 
Dr. King invites us all to join the journey by saying, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Everyone is invited to the journey. EMU, are you doing justice, loving mercy, and working, walking humbly with your God? Are you a beloved community where everyone is safe, peaceful, happy, and celebrated? Good morning again, and welcome to our 2023 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Celebration of Legacy, Education, and Service. At this time, we will have reflections from our president, Dr. Susan Schultz-Huxman. And for those who may not be aware, this day of celebration as an education day um, came about under her tutelage here. And so we thank Susan for having the vision to say yes and to have us gather together to celebrate accomplishments of a great man, not a perfect man, but a great man who paved the way for everyone. Following Susan will be our mayor of Harrisonburg, Ms. Dina Reed. Well, good morning, EMU community. Thanks everyone for joining us for Martin Luther King celebrations on this beautiful January day. Uh, the last two years actually were so uh, bitterly cold and the weather so inclement that we had to be especially resourceful in getting all of our programming through because we had to give people time to get from one event to the other, embrace wind, rain, hail, sleet, and, and whatnot. Uh, so that's, that's nothing that we have to worry about to that, and for that we are especially thankful. At Eastern Mennonite University, we take the full day to commemorate, to reflect, to serve, and to take inspiration from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in word and deed. Yes, we take the day off so that we can take the day on. So while there are no classes, there is a lot of engaged learning going on today. And I want to thank uh, Celeste Thomas, Director of Student Multicultural Affairs, for you and your team's assembling of these robust educational opportunities to promote civil rights and social justice in King's honor, events that began this past weekend and continue through today. What a difference uh, Celeste has made to raise the bar of awareness and participation on these Martin Luther King commemoration activities over the past five years. Uh, and I particularly appreciate the fact that our programming has always centered squarely on our educational mission to prepare students to serve and lead in a global context and to do that in the spirit of Micah 6.8 to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. 
As your president, I want to briefly highlight some of the reasons why we honor Dr. King with a national holiday and how his life is a special model for EMU as we ever aspire to be a leading faith-informed peace and justice university in the country. It is important that we observe a national holiday to commemorate Martin Luther King. His legacy as a civil rights and peace leader in the 20th century is simply unparalleled. 38 years young, King spent most of his adult life immersed in brave advocacy for civil rights and nonviolence. As many of you remember, Martin Luther King achieved worldwide acclaim beginning in 1956 when he led the first nonviolent Negro bus boycott in Montgomery, Alabama in protest against discriminatory racial practices brought to dramatic attention by Rosa Parks a year earlier. From that point to his untimely tragic death just a dozen years later, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. became remarkably successful at mobilizing blacks and whites in the civil rights and peace movements to meet violence with love from a biblical standpoint of passive resistance. In 1964, at the age of 35, King became at that time the youngest recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. He was the first person in the Western world to have shown us that a struggle can be waged without violence, said the Nobel chairperson at the time. In all, King traveled over six million miles, spoke over 2,500 times, wrote five books on civil rights and peace in his short life, nothing short of astonishing. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. lived by a set of principles that are baked in to our EMU mission and values, peacemaking, community building, social justice, Christian discipleship, Upon receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in 64, Martin Luther King proclaimed, I refuse to accept the view of humankind that is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. This year's Martin Luther King Day theme centers around beloved community. Early in his civil rights career, as you've already heard Celeste indicate, Martin Luther King said this about the importance of beloved community. The nonviolent resistor must often express his protest through non-cooperation and boycotts. But non-cooperation and boycotts are not ends. They're not ends in themselves. They are merely means means to awaken a sense of moral shame in the opponent. The end, the end is redemption and reconciliation. The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community, while the aftermath of violence is tragic bitterness. We are so very pleased that our convocation keynote speaker, the Reverend Vincent Walter Jones, will share his expertise and experience around this important theme as a noted pastor, counselor, and coach 
Reverend Jones has been immersed in creating grounds for reconciliation, for creating beloved community. He will receive a more fulsome and formal introduction shortly. Now it gives me great pleasure to welcome next to the podium my friend and mayor of the city of Harrisonburg, Dina Reed. For the past five years, Dina has been a significant champion of EMU as mayor and as an EMU trustee. And I am now happy to announce Mayor Reed just started a new exciting leadership role with us here at EMU as Regional Director of Advancement. That means she is the, in the friend raising and fundraising business with me and others. So welcome to the team, Dina, and welcome to the podium. Good morning, Good morning to my dear friend, President Huxman, and my sorority sister, Celeste Thomas. Yes. Oh, and there's, there's one more out there as well, Cassandra. <laughs> and the EMU family, thank you for inviting me to bring remarks on behalf of the city of Harrisonburg as we honor the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It is always a pleasure to stand before you. And as you know, I love this university, so much so that I decided to work here. <laughs> I am excited to be officially a part of this family, this beloved community. So Celeste, I love that you chose the theme, beloved community. And EMU, if you were fortunate enough to attend our Sunday community church service yesterday. You heard our guest speaker, Pastor Jones, speak about the beloved community. Becoming a beloved community is spiritual. That is why Dr. King said it is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. Dr. King's beloved community exhibits the highest form of love, unconditional love, which means you got to love people you may not like. Now, I'm not going to break down the spiritual aspects of a beloved community. That's the pastor's job. But as a mayor, a beloved community is what we strive for. So EMU, I must ask you, what are you doing to make your community, your campus, your school, your organization, your team, whatever you're part of, a beloved community. A community where all people are respected, cared for, and treated as equals. A beloved community where, there, where there's no space for injustice, prejudice, or discrimination. What are you doing, EMU? Every time I have the opportunity to stand in front of you, I tell you that you are the peacemakers, the bridge builders, the moral compass of the Shenandoah Valley. But are you doing your part to make sure this campus is a beloved community? As a Christ-centered learning community, we are loving each other as we are instructed. 
Are we? Are we celebrating the diversity of our community while also seeking to address racial and social disparities? Do we reflect the love of God toward others and serve as a beacon of hope in a society that is plagued by division, prejudice, and hate? So to my EMU family, as always, I hope you continue to be our bridge builders, our moral compass, and our peace builders of the valley. There is so much more we need to do. So let's press on with Dr. Skeen's kind of love. It is always an honor to stand before you. Happy MLK Day. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Dina. And at this time, we are going to be wowed. Um, as usual, yesterday, the piano was broken at the church. We had church yesterday. The piano was broken. And so we are looking so forward to having Dr. David Barry um, with us to give a selection um, this morning, followed by John Schwartz from the Zaire Center and Student Life, who will be introducing um, some of our guests um, this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Barry.
Insert standard comment about the impossibility of following Dr. David Barry here. Uh, thank you, Dr. Barry, for that uh, wonderful rendition. And thank you, Celeste, for all of your hours of work on this. Um, did you all know it was Celeste's birthday yesterday? So, happy birthday, Celeste. Uh, my name is Jonathan Swartz, um, representing the Zare Institute for Restorative Justice uh, this morning. Uh, the Zare Institute, um, amongst many things, seeks to enhance um, approaches to justice that, um, that point us toward healing, that point us toward accountability, uh, that point us towards beloved community. And we believe it's possible to get there even, even, as, we seek, even as we seek justice. As I was with a group of colleagues before winter break, uh, discussing how we were going to, to host um, our wonderful guests, Naya and Vivian, and, and how we were gonna frame this On These Grounds documentary, we watched part of the film. Uh, and as we were watching, I had uh, two scenes kind of flashed through my, uh, through, my, through my brain as we were watching. Uh, a third one to follow, uh, followed soon after. The first scene was, and many of you know, will know this scene, this iconic image from November 14, 1960, of six-year-old Ruby Bridges entering William France Elementary School, her mother by her side, escorted by four law enforcement officers. So recognizing the intensity of those moments, these federal marshals were to provide Ruby with safety from disruption both inside and outside that school. The marshals continued to escort Ruby throughout the course of that year. The second scene that played through my brain is somewhat imaginary since as far as I know, there were no photographs or video of this particular scene, but it's a scene from October 26, 2015 from Spring Valley High School near Columbia, South Carolina. And this is the scene, this scene involves 18-year-old Naya being escorted out of the school in handcuffs by law enforcement officers, accused of disrupting school after Naya took a stand for a classmate who had been forcibly removed from her desk. The third scene, which came a little bit later, is of Vivian Anderson who upon seeing the viral video, many of us have seen this viral video, of what happened in that classroom on that October day in South Carolina, Vivian made the decision to uproot, to disrupt her life in New York and to move to South Carolina to see what she could do to disrupt harmful systems and also to hug as many young black girls as possible. Disruption through affection. The arc of this moral universe sometimes feels like a roller coaster. Zare Institute is so pleased to have been able to host Naya and Vivian for this day of celebration that's also disruption. And I'm excited to invite them to share briefly with us this morning. Naya and Vivian. I thought she was going to come up here with me. 
Good morning, good morning. Uh, it's an honor to be here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Naya Kinney. Um, I am a cast member of On These Grounds and I play myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the film, On These Grounds is the depiction of an incident, like he said, um, of myself, my classmate, and a resource officer who abuses authority in our classroom. Um, I feel like this film allows you to get like that inside scoop. A lot of people have like seen the clip and they always had these, you know, what happened questions. So it allows you to get, you know, a piece from me, from the young lady who was assaulted as well as the officer who assaulted her. Um, I tell a lot of people that I believe on these grounds is critical in today's time because it just touches on like uh, school push out, the disturbing schools law, how it came to be about in the South and just the effect that it has on black youth in the South. Um, you know, while it isn't the easiest watch because nobody wants to see a young lady being thrown across a classroom by a huge white man, I know I don't. Um, it does show how both like the system as well as community individuals enact violence on black youth while also simultaneously showing resilience in the face of um, an injustice. Um, that's all I got, y'all. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Ms. Vivian is here. <laughs> We were talking about how no matter how many times we speak, it's um, always like a little jittery. But I'm very clear it's because I don't take it lightly. Words are very powerful. Um, I don't want to disrespect the sacrifices that Naya or Shakara, like to be not knowing that that was going to happen, but still being a yes when God chose to use them, children, and a child shall lead you. So um, I'm Vivian Anderson, um, executive director and founder of an organization called Every Black Girl Inc. Every Black Girl, thank you. Um, Every Black Girl was actually formed as a result and answer to what happened at Spring Valley. Um, <clears throat> Our mission is to create a world where every black girl thrives. And it's our belief in order for that to happen, the world around her has to thrive. So um, I am a part of the documentary. I was one of the subjects because, you know, it's what happened. Um, and working with the film, and I really was a part of the film because I wanted to make sure that the girls' stories were being told through their mouths and their lens, right? Because it was a lot of us had all the things to say, <laughs> but I wanted to make sure they were, their voices was being heard, which is also with um, Disturbing Films, the producers of the documentary, as, felt, as well as Represent Justice, who is actually creating the um, campaign for the film, to make sure youth voice are being spoken and shared and that they have the support systems to elevate their voices. Um, so, when we talk about this date in particular and how this film connects, um, one is, like Jonathan was saying, like the end goal is liberation, justice, the beloved community. 
I think right now and what the film does is gives you the opportunity to say, what's going to be your walk along the way? Hello. <laughs> because we saw the assault. We saw a situation where God used two people to what the Zare Institute and so many people, King was all talking about in reconciliation. It was all paper. He put it in visual. You couldn't turn away. Then we had an 18-year-old in a classroom. And the thing was, Naya didn't know Shakara. She did not know that girl. They were in a class together. How many of y'all sit next to neighbors and don't know your neighbor? She didn't know her name. But when that moment happened, she stood. She stood. She didn't turn a blind eye. And because I know Naya, she, what I remember, what pulled me, when the news reporter asked her, well, why would you? She said, because I knew she had no one else. She said, all I thought to do, praise God, was to call out to God. Every, this documentary, if you watch, so people say, well, how could you do it? Obedience. So what is your obedient call? So as you watch the documentary, make sure you share. Like my obedient call didn't even just end with me going to South Carolina. As you see in the documentary, he said, you're going to talk reconciliation, you're going to talk restorative justice, I'm going to sit you down with the officer. Are you ready to be about what you talk about? So we in this room. Who you outside this room? That's all I got. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. At this time, we have coming before us the president of the Black Student Alliance, and she will be introducing the speaker. Following her introduction of the speaker, we will have a liturgical dance, Change Me, by Tanya Scott, and then we will have our message from Reverend Vincent Walter Jones, and I am going to take my seat. Thank you. Hello, like Celeste said, my name is Nardos Haile. I'm the president of BSA, and I have the opportunity of in introducing our speaker for today. Um, Reverend Jones is the proud pastor of the Mount Zion Baptist Church in Bedford, Virginia in his ninth year. Pastor Vincent Walter Jones is from Danville, Virginia, and is a proud graduate of George Washington High School, son of late James and Marie Jones, and is the middle son of three boys. He grew up as a member of the Greater Triumph Baptist Church, being baptized at the age of seven by the late Dr. H.G. McGee. Vincent Jones is a graduate of Virginia Tech with a bachelor's in English and a master's in counseling. While at Virginia Tech, he became a member of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, Eta Lambda chapter in the fall of 1994. 
He currently resides in Lynchburg, Virginia, and is the proud father of three daughters, Nia, Zoe, and Layla Grace. In addition to pastoring, Reverend Jones is currently an elementary school counselor at R.S. Payne Elementary School and a mental health therapist and counselor. Formerly, he was a foster care and adoption supervisor for the city of Lynchburg, where he specialized in the completion of adoptions for awaiting children and families with over 100 completions in a three-year period, while assisting hundreds of families and children return home with assistance, structure, and services. He is also the former assistant director of programs for Hughes Memorial Home for children with significant behavioral and emotional difficulties. He is a five-time championship high school track coach of Heritage High School. Formerly, he was a Little League fo football coach and became the chairman of the board for Hall City Football and Cheer Program. Reverend Jones is the chaplain uh, and committee chairman for service and giving for the Gamma Omega chapter in Lynchburg of the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. He was voted Omega Man of the Year for 2021 to 2022 for Gamma Omega. Rev. Jones was licensed to minister in 2006, ordained as an elder in the Church of God in Christ in 2010 under the late Bishop L.E. Willis II. He was also ordained in the Baptist Church in 2013 at the Mount Moriah Baptist Church under the tutelage of senior pastor Lucius M. Dalton. There are plenty of other community boards and teams that Reverend Jones has been a part of and led from his work in Danville, Blacksburg, and Lynchburg communities since he believes so strongly in community advancement through teamwork as a lifetime system for his labor of love. He lives by the creed, live hungry, die serving, and by the scripture, for with God, nothing shall be impossible, Luke 1:37. Now I can give the benediction. It's, I can officially give the benediction should be, should be said at this time. I, when at funerals I have to do, unfortunately, when the fi family has told the story, the preacher can only come up and just do the benediction. The story has been told. But since they gave me seven minutes, I'm going <laughs> to take my seven minutes in benediction time. God bless you, I, I, the, the, the great people in this house. Uh, first of all, before I thank the amazing grown folks, I need to thank these amazing students. God bless you to the EMU students. God bless you to you all. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Y'all, don't clap your hands like something wrong with you. <laughs> clap your hands like you love somebody. <laughs> to EMU. To the students of EMU. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you all. God bless you. And on yesterday, they were so kind to me. They spoiled me. Let me say that I'm one of those weird people who fall in love real fast. And so I've fallen in love with EMU and its students. 
just that fast. I'm just, I'm not a great lover. <laughs> but I'm quick to fall in love. Uh, but let me move fast and forward. God bless you. Uh, the, 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 the moment is here when I've seen the videos. I've seen uh, the, Lon the John Legend video today. I've, my job is to come behind all these great people and say something to this beautiful crowd of people. And they put my picture up here. As if I'm, not, I'm better looking that day than I am today, I think. <laughs> but um, matter of fact, I look taller there, I heard, than I actually am. So, but um, the thing is, it doesn't matter because, like I mentioned yesterday, one of the things in order to become part of the beloved community is that you have to be delivered from yourself. And it is vital that I don't pay attention to me except to fix me. And Sister Vivian preached, so I really don't have to. She preached one of the strongest messages you could ever hear straight out of the Bible when it deals with one of God's kings who decided to get what he wanted taken ravaged when he was told not to. And we find in the Bible one of the greatest lessons in life is obedience is greater than sacrifice. Amen? Amen. 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 And, uh, my, and so I, when she began to talk about obedience and she pushed me to discuss what, what I do and I got to be obedient to God. And so, because uh, if I'm obedient to God, then uh, I get no glory to God. Be the glory. And let me... Let me just start, and, and God bless you too. To Sister Celeste, uh, Dr. Huxman, uh, Mayor Reed, Brother Barry, Brother Barry, you are not welcome in my church, because <laughs> my piano is too old, and I'm gonna get you on assault charges if you come around there. <laughs> Letting you know right now, we, but, and to all of the, Sister Vivian and Sinai and all of y'all, it's been outstanding. And Sister Tanya Scott and her dance, God bless you all. Um, I'm, I'm here based on the fact of a beloved community. And beloved community to me is something simple. My grandmother used to live on a fixed income. My grandmother couldn't read, nor could she write. But on Sunday morning, she would cut up what's called whole fryers. That's too old for y'all to understand. Y'all go to Chick-fil-A. But whole fryers is a whole chicken. And she would cut it all up, two or three chi two chickens, and cut it up and fry it. And make sure all of us, the grandchildren, her children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, make sure all of us, her husband, make sure all of us ate on a fixed income. Before we went to Sunday school, we would have to slap the hogs before we went to Sunday school. We'd have to clean before we went to Sunday school. But we'd get on the church bus to go to Sunday school because she wanted to ride with her husband so all those kids couldn't fit in the car while she was with her husband. She'd make sure we got on that bus to go to Sunday school because she would make sure we all came down from our house, my mother's house and my aunt's house, and spend time with her on Saturday night 
before we went to church. So the cousins and brothers and we'd all be together and we'd be at the house spending the night and, and we'd be loud and, and she, my granddad would go, all right, and everybody would be quiet. And, and that's part of the beloved community. After she'd hand mash some hamburgers together and, 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 and with loaf bread. We didn't have hamburger buns in the 70s, I don't believe. But, and she, she pressed things together and she made sure we were perfect. That's the community I came from, so I truly understand a beloved community. And I understand that, that then I decided I would do something stupid like start going to school and start hanging out and doing things, and I realized that everybody won't like grandma. Uh-huh. And I found out, let me move faster. Let me, and then I became less loving. Because I became a part of my environment. I became more like what I was treated like. So when grandmama treated me good, I was loving and wonderful and you could, I was almost perfect. And when the world got nasty, I got nasty. Anybody in here was like that at all, anybody? When the world gets nasty, we tend to adopt to the world. I don't see a lot of hands, but just for the six of us that happened, it just happened to just us. <laughs> Apparently, oh, just a few of us. Because, because maybe our world looks different from other people's world in the room. I don't know. But there has to be a notice. Listen, I'm going to tell you, and because I, I won't always a preacher. I've been a bouncer on a bar in Blacksburg. I've done all kinds of things. I, I haven't always been a preacher. I'm not going to tell you anything else because it ain't none of your business. But I ain't always been a preacher. Uh, in fact, the beloved community, without love, there's nothing. And there's a song that says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Out of the, out of the ugly parts of a community where, where drug dealers stood, Crack cocaine in the street, vials in the middle, stuck in your Converse and in your Nike shoes when you walk through the community. Love had to lift me. Mm. I want you to understand that that's just a part of America. America, let me let you in on a secret. America was so sick for so long. 400 years, America was sick as a dog. Sick to the point where it was dying and killing itself. It was young and sick. Mm -hmm. A sick child is incredible to watch because everybody else should care for it. But it seemed the rest of the world didn't care because they wanted the child to leave. But the child was sick. Because you have to be slick, sick and slick in order to have slavery. Then in the 60s and 70s, when what happened was the fever broke. In the sickness, the fever broke. Let me, let me, let me, let me get right here. And over in, let me. So I want, I want to move fast because I know we just got a minute. See y'all, y'all about to get me fired right there. 
Y'all better get me fired by them people right there who love me. Woo, ain't no classes today. Woo! <laughs> Y'all, you about to make the Holy Ghost fall in here. The Bible says in, in Mark 1, it says something real simple. I just ran across it. When I'm dealing with America being sick and America's fever, how it had to break in order to, because you know a fever, really, it's a sign in the body that something is wrong, but your immune system is working. Is that right? And, and, but yet the fever is there because it has to break up some stuff. It has to, they want to break up the cold and the flu and all the things that's wrong. Is that right? So the fever was happening to America in the 60s when this was all happening. When King was here, King was the Tylenol that came to America when it was necessary. I don't, I don't know if he was a buffering or not, but because I know some folk with high blood pressure, they can only take Tylenol, you know, so I know what I'm talking about. But, so some folk couldn't take King because their symptoms were so different in the midst of their sickness. Mm. The Bible says, <laughs> my gosh, I'm sorry. The Bible says Simon's wife lay sick of a fever and a nun, they tell him of her. And he being Christ came and took her by the hand mm. and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. Now listen, this is the catch that's so crazy. Please understand this. When Jesus, listen, they warned Jesus, it says a nun, which means they warned him immediately. Look, now you know she's sick. You know, she's got the, the fever. She's sick as a dog. You, he didn't, they didn't tell her to put a mask on. But they said, don't come in the house because she's sick. I know you want to come to Simon's house, but his mother-in-law is sick. Now, this is the difference between a beloved community and a scared community. You know, scared community is when all the words end in phobia. Xenophobia, different words. Homophobia, you know. When people are scared, they'll tell you, don't come in here. And so they gave Jesus the heads up. And so Jesus being the king of the beloved community, the male of the beloved community, the president of the beloved community, the student body of the com beloved community. Say, wait a minute, I got to go check on this woman's body. She's sick and I can help. So I got to move. The key to a movement is deciding somebody's got to move. It's common sense stuff. The key to a movement is moving. It's not standing still and gawking. You can sit there and watch CNN all you want to. Flick your little remote to Fox. Some of us old enough would know years ago we didn't flick. We used to get up and walk to the TV. We used to have, look, look. Sometimes the knob would break and we'd get a pair of pliers and go in and turn it. From the Dukes of Hazzard to Fantasy Island, we turn it. But because when we didn't agree with something, we wouldn't watch something else. We had to. When we were only watching, we were not moving. 
Is there anybody in here who can commit to moving? Because uh, when you're seeing what you're seeing, if you're just watching, you're a spectator. And baby, this life ain't a spectator sport. This is about obedience and about sacrifice. And, and somebody said, well, Jones, what are you trying to get us to do? I want you to care. Do something real strange, like love me anyhow. Like, if somebody said, well, I don't want to be in the streets doing what you do. So, okay, then that's fine. Since you opened your money in, to TJ Maxx, put $5 on the calls. Don't buy a bag of weed this weekend. Put some money on the calls. ABC store was open in the COVID on Sundays. Chick-fil-A didn't open, but ABC store opened on Sundays so that we would have, feel good, we would feel good and have our spirits and elixirs. But yet, we won't put a dime on the calls. Somebody says, what is the cause? Well, somebody wants to go to college. Somebody said, well, I don't want to help in this Black Lives Matter. I don't want to help in this. I want to help somebody go to college. Somebody helped you, whether you want to admit it or not. People who received help should help. My, my mother asked me one day, why do you keep all that coaching? Don't you, shouldn't you just preach all the time? And shouldn't you do this? You run around so much, shouldn't you slow down? I said, Mama, I'm coaching because I got coached. Because somebody put time in me, I got to put time in thee. Is that right? So therefore, if you're not out there help, if you're not out there helping the, a cause, go coach somebody's kids. Be an example and a role model. So I've been safe, and I put you out there, and I said, okay. You can't, you can't find anything to do. You're so busy. Your schedule is so busy. That's why we have a problem with this virus. America got so busy, it didn't want to get well. Free labor, why change that? Mm -hmm. And what happened was the body got sick, and then all of a sudden, America in self-control said, well, we're going to break the fever ourselves. Hey, Amen. Let me start closing. Y'all know how I do. And, and, but the catch is, when America, as human beings, tried to break the fever, it broke the fever. The problem is, when you break something, you leave small parts of it. The Bible says that Christ, when he walked in the room, he grabbed her by the hand. He lifted her with love. Mm -hmm. Then it says the fever left. Now, there's a difference between when something is broken and something leaves. I just want to make sure I get that clear. If the fever breaks in the body, particles of it will still stay. So you may still have a cough after COVID. You may still have some long-term effects afterwards because it didn't leave. It was just broken inside of you. When racism is broken inside of you, when sexism is broken inside of you, when ageism is broken inside of you, it leaves parts that should not be in the body.
Because it was broken, it did not leave. I just want to make sure we get this. Because the fever is there because some of the cold is still there. Some of the flu is still there. The influenza for all y'all grown folks, it's still in you. It's still in me. But until I ask God to remove some stuff. See, we sh- I'm sorry, I forgot. I don't know if this is a campus where you can say Jesus and God. But I don't care. Because I don't care about money. I care about Jesus. I don't know why. Because he paid it all. So I ain't got to worry about money at all. Somebody said, well, he says ain't a lot. I have a degree in English. I ain't got to answer to nobody. So I, I, I listen, watch the video, and I'm closing now and for the second time. And... And on these grounds, uh, strong words jumped out to me. The sister Vizvian was saying in the piece, she used the word disinvestment and willing neglect. Willingful neglect, I think that's what she used. Willful neglect and disinvestment. And those words kept me up last night, even though I was in this nice fancy hotel. Gosh, beautiful. Harrisonburg is beautiful, but disinvestment, when I realized willful neglect, and I watched a girl with an IEP, individualized education plan, get dragged across the floor, a young lady with special needs being flipped over a desk, held and drove through across the floor, and I realized, and I looked at it four or five, and I looked at it in my mind, I kept saying, my daughter is being thrown across the floor. And I saw my daughter get arrested in handcuffs, protecting my other daughter. And somebody said, well, that ain't his daughter's. Yes, they are. The problem with the beloved community is that we don't claim our own. The problem is if you see the video and you don't see it as your daughter, then you're disconnected. That's my child in the floor with somebody's knee on her neck. That's my child in handcuffs. That's my child. When we stop thinking about just self, we got to be delivered from self. That's my child. Listen, that's my child who didn't do the right thing. But that's, you know, the crazy part is this. The hard part I had to deal with was this. Because I got to be, somebody said, you got to show some Christ. Let me close. It said, the hard part for me was, how in the world do I look at this thing like Dr. King and et cetera? Then God told me that I got to be Vince. And it hurt me so bad to watch my daughters get dragged on the floor and be arrested and, and all the other kids on the videos. It hurt me so bad. But I have to say this too. And you may not agree with me, which I don't care either. I literally had to look at my brother, not my brother here, because I'm a human being and I'm in a beloved community. I had to look at my brother as a police officer, drag my sister across, my daughter across the floor. 
because though it may be wrong and it look wrong and it be hurtful, he's our brother too. And gosh, my daddy once said, you can't fix a flat tire while the car's moving. And I hate the fact that a police officer, a SRO, because I have an SRO in my school who's wonderful, but I hate the fact to see him make this choice. And, but the point is, as a beloved community, we have to forgive. America and all its charred, jagged edges, as the fever leaves, we have to forgive even our most wrongs. Gosh, it's hard to let go. But the only way to let go is to let God. So I say all to you, I say it all to you, it's hard. And the person I can say it to, it hurts my feelings to even say it. I have to look at Naya, this baby, and say, oh my gracious, you gotta forget this guy. And I say that from a distance, and I won't dare. 2015, I was dealing, I was looking at what was happening in Charleston, but I didn't, I missed what was going on in Columbia. So I apologize to you first. Because I'm sorry that my brother did this to you. Somebody said, Well, that's not your brother. It is. Because I gotta take responsibility. How many people can take responsibility now? Huh? He's yours too. She's yours. We have to connect back and get responsible. Now listen, I'm from GW Danville. I was, I was listening to the introduction, to the amazing introduction, and I'm closing officially right now. And, and in GW Danville, we had this thing when we wanted something to leave, right? I was in this pep club, and we had this great basketball team, and they were outstanding, and we would go to the basketball games home or away, and, and, I, and I got this from, I was dealing with some stuff with Dr. King, and Dr. King was, he was, in, in, in after his eight days of imprisonment in Birmingham, he was, him and Andy Young, who he refers to as Andy Young, which is Andrew Young, they were discussing how to get the children involved in the movement, amen? And, and he was dealing with it, and, and the children in the movement were trained in nonviolence, the young folks, the young children, and it talked about how six little kids, they taught them little teeny weeny kids, education, uh, elementary age kids, were sent to a library just to go read in a place where they weren't supposed to go. And they went to a library and they sat in the back. Not only did they sit in the library, but they fell in love with the reading process. So EMU, make sure the kids are reading on your campus. Force the elementary school kids to come read. Find a way to volunteer to all these kids, to grab an elementary school kid and make them read. Oh, nobody's gonna clap to that, are they? That's when you know your 10 minutes are up, Celeste. And, and because kids who don't read are going to jail. So if you can stop incarceration by helping somebody read, makes a difference. I'm in Lynchburg, Virginia, where black boys don't read well. And so I have to make sure I left the private sector of counseling to take a significant pay cut to go in the school system because kids were not reading who looked like me. 
I'm in the game, though. So we got this piece, and then I saw where this daddy, this little boy, told his daddy, Dad, I got to go fight with Dr. King. I got to go on the streets. The daddy said, no, you will not be arrested. No, you will not protest. And the son looked at him. He says, Daddy, you're going to have to beat me, but I'm still going. Go punish me, but I'm still going. Hold me in my room. I'm going to escape, but I got to go. And the daddy said, why are you so committed to this? He says, because I want to see your freedom before you die. And so King and Young sat around and they listened to how the young people were so creative in their fight to get out. They were so creative, they had cheers and chants about freedom. And when they got arrested, listen, when they got arrested, the paddy wagons, two or 3,000 of them got arrested down in Birmingham one time. And the paddy wagons were full. The police cars were full. You know what they did? They went and got the school buses. The very buses that took them to school, they put them on them and took them to jail. Mm-hmm. So I closed with a little chant we did in school as kids. And GW, Danville, we'd be winning most of the time anyway. We did our thing. So we'd be winning. We may be losing in the first quarter. That's fine. We may be losing in the second quarter. That's fine. Halftime, Coach Johnson would go in and lay them boys out to the floor. Third quarter, they coming back strong. Fourth quarter, we have taken the lead. As I saw him telling your shirt, she said, we won. But the last minute of the game, we were known for it because we were up by 14 or 15. So it was secure. The victory was secure. Look at your neighbor and say, the victory is secure. When the victory was secure, we would do this at GW Danville. We would look at the crowd, whether we were home or away, and we would tell the crowd, if y'all remember this, some of y'all cheerleaders may remember this. We said, get your hat, your coat, and leave. The whole section, get your hat, your coat, and leave. Listen, then the cheerleaders would kick in. They were like, oh my gracious. Get your hat, your coat, and leave. Then all the parents from GW would kick in. And they didn't know what they was. They loved it. They said, get your hat, your coat, and leave. So we putting the people out of the building. They, they look, uh, they're so rude. <laughs> but so I look at racism. Get your hat, your coat, and leave. Uh, I'm, I don't have a student section or pep club here. You got me? So I say the sexism and all this stuff. Get your hat, your coat, and leave. Oh, Lord. I may have a parent or two or somebody grown in the building who may have came to the game but just realized we are winning. When it comes to police brutality, willful neglect, disinvestment, get your hat. You're a coat and leave. Listen, y'all ain't got, listen. Yeah, look, I'm going to sit down. But when it comes down to disunification, when the fever is not just broken, it has to go. When the world has to turn around and look at America as an example, and not a form of tyranny, 
the world will change when we get it together. Because we're, we run this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do. But it starts in a house in Harrisonburg. It starts in a dorm room. It starts in your heart. So if it's not right within you, and things are not right within you because of broken pieces and jagged edges, and it's not all out, you have to pray to Christ to come and lift you up, grab you by the hand, pull you up out the bed of fever. And you and Christ together can do one thing. You and Christ can tell it all. But the one thing you and Christ can say together it's unconventional, but it's true. You and Christ can stand there and say, get your hat, your coat, and leave. Give God some praise in this place if you don't mind. Give God some praise. God is worthy to still be praised. He's worthy no matter what. God is worthy to be praised. He still sits high and looks low. If you know he's worthy to be praised, just praise him one more time. Hallelujah, God. I thank you, Lord God. God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you. One more time, the church said, Amen. and hallelujah. All right. I am going to close us out, and I would just like to start by saying thank you to a few people. First of all, thank you to the Black Student Alliance. Can we give them a hand? So because the last three years we know were challenges as far as weather and COVID, this is their first in-person time to lean into Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And so we have a group of students who have not experienced in-person doing the darn thing. Showing up, getting out of bed. Some by threat, but getting out of bed. So they're getting to know me and how I operate. I'm getting to know them and how they operate. And so they are here on the front pews. And so thank y'all. Thank you for all of your work. To LSA, can't leave them out. Showed up, showed out, helping out, supporting. And so thank you, LSA. Christian Parks, who is an alum from 2016. For those who don't know me, know I work from a, don't know, I wanna share with you, I work from a mentoring model. So we have those who are older teaching those who are coming behind them. And so Christian saw it not robbery to come back from Washington DC and support. He's a former president, former co-president, um, former vice president and secretary, of what was BSU, now BSA, coming back to pour into 
what is current BSA. So I thank him for that and for travel and for vision and for carrying on the tradition. Shannon Dykus, her servant leadership in student life, but not only in student life, on the campus. So thank you, Shannon. Susan, the president of EMU, thank you for leaning in. I know it's not always easy to do the right thing, but doing the right thing at the right time is the best thing to do, and so thank you. Mayor Reed, my soror, my colleague, all the time, all the time, so thank you. And my other sorors who are in the audience all the time for your support, thank you. Wonderful sisterhood, thank you very much. Not to take from others, but I have to lean in where I belong. Membership has its privileges, thank you. Zare Institute, thank you. Thank you, John and the Zare Institute. Vivian Naya, thank you. My beloved community members in Harrisonburg, Bridgewater, Waynesboro, and get this, Tanya Scott, our liturgical dancer, came from Newport News. Beloved community. Beloved community. We've, we've been connected for some, some time, and I, and I told her, I'm calling you. I didn't know she was in Newport News when I called her. <laughs> but I'm calling you, and she came. And so thank you, and Felicia, for coordinating everything um, for that to happen. So thank you. And I just want to do a broad thank you. I don't want to leave anyone out. There were some people I, I needed to highlight. But thank you to anyone and everyone who assisted in any way, shape, or form in helping to form um, this celebration this year. Um, it feels special to be able to be in person. And everybody knows I'm COVID crazy, so this is causing me anxiety. But we're here, and we're doing this. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and then I want to highlight. Um, if we could, if you could move the slide up, um, Clay, um, for the rest of the day. It ain't over yet. So this afternoon, we will be having two sessions. The first session um, starts at 1.15, and the second session starts at 3 o'clock. And so if you could join us in those sessions, um, in my infinite wisdom, I put everything in one building. So it could snow, it could rain, it could do whatever, and we're going to be in one place once we leave here. Um, we're going to be over in University Commons. And so um, we will be in um, Common Grounds, Old Common Grounds, and 211, 212. And so if you would join us um, this afternoon and then this evening, um, we will have Christian, who will be leading um, Lift Every Voice tonight. Um, bring your ears, bring your songs, bring your poems, bring parts of speeches if you want to. We'll be lifting up um, through artistic expression, um, the work and our thoughts about um, Martin Luther King Jr. So please join us. Thank you all, um, EMU, for coming. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of the day. And can we have one more hand for the pastor who brought it home?
So thank you. Thank you, Reverend Jones, for seeing it, not robbery, to come and spend time with us out of your busy schedule from Lynchburg. Everyone is dismissed. Thank you.